Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a PGY1 psychiatry resident physician. In this podcast, we discuss whole person health and wellness through an osteopathic lens, holistically addressing the body, mind, and spirit. We also discuss topics important to medical trainees, including pre-med students, medical students, and residents. Thanks for joining me. This week, I'm trying something new by recording directly through Spotify for podcasters instead of pre-recording on my Audacity platform. So this episode is special to me along with the other episodes in this series. I am being very open about my personal journey with trying to conceive, which then became a journey of dealing with infertility and working on improving my fertility. And then it becomes a story about becoming pregnant successfully and having a beautiful, healthy baby girl um, earlier this year, or I guess last year now that it's 2024. She was born in August 2023. So this episode is recordings that I have from March and April of 2022 when I was a third-year medical student. And this is pretty early on in my journey. I discontinued the birth control pill, as I'm going to mention, in February of 2022. So, This was in the first few months after discontinuing the birth control pill. So I talk about what that really means with how many women will have a period of infertility after they discontinue the birth control pill, especially since, especially if they've been on it for a very long time. And it may take a really long time to get your period back. And I was actually, you'll hear more about how I was fortunate enough that I did get my period back. Um, But what I didn't know is that I was going to have um, a few more problems with that of having irregular periods and a lack of ovulation. So even though I was having my periods, they weren't coming regularly and I was not ovulating. And this recording, I also talk about some of my diet changes and really my my routine as far as why I would eat on a daily basis. And this is a continuation of my previous episode. I touched on this a little bit as well. Then I talk about how I chose to see a midwife instead of an OBGYN. And I'll just add to that um, that I did continue seeing that midwife and that midwife practice in my whole preconception journey as well as during my pregnancy until I had to move for residency in 2023. And when I did move for residency, I actually found another midwife in the area. And so really my whole preconception and my pregnancy was managed by midwives. My delivery was by an OBGYN, but everything before that was driven by midwives, which is, which might be a little bit surprising as a medical student. And then when I delivered and in my last trimester, really, my last like two trimesters, I was a doctor. I had 
graduated medical school. So it may be interesting to you that I did choose to see midwives, but I expand on this a little bit. And um, even now looking back, I don't think I would change that decision. I think that I was someone that really benefited from having longer appointment times and having more of a conversation and having a little bit more input into treatment decisions. And I think part of that is because I had so much medical knowledge myself, it was useful to combine that with the practical and experiential knowledge that midwives have in taking care of women with healthy pregnancies and healthy deliveries. So I think that worked well. I think for someone that is a little bit more medical illiterate, I think that decision might be made a little bit differently when they would maybe benefit a little bit more from having an OBGYN. And then if you have any sort of complication or if you have a very detailed medical history, I think sometimes in those situations it's better to have an OBGYN. But I felt like having a midwife and a group of midwives manage my pregnancy and my preconception period was – very beneficial for me. And so I do start to touch on the first midwife appointment, but I don't have, I don't like to make these episodes longer than like a half hour. So I'm actually splitting up my recording from April of 2022 into two separate episodes. So the next episode that comes out for First Line is going to be the rest of that recording where I talk a little bit more in depth about the results of the testing that I had done, which I start to speak about in the end of this episode. But I'll be discussing the very personal results of that in a future episode and my reaction to it and how how we proceeded after that. So again, I, I know that this is one person's experience. It's my experience. So I know that you know, if you were dealing with infertility or trying to improve your fertility, maybe you're trying to conceive, maybe you're already pregnant, all of my journey, this is just my journey. So what you experience may be very different. I'm not trying to offer any tips or advice necessarily in speaking about my experience. I'm just sharing what I did and what happened to me, what I experienced, the choices that I made in order to maybe help you to discover what questions you need to ask your midwife or your OBGYN or things to think about, things to research further. I know in an upcoming episode, I'll speak a little bit more about uh, the supplements that my midwife recommended I start on. And all of that is just me talking about my own experience in with the intention of Maybe you will find something that is relatable. Maybe you'll find something that's inspiring. Maybe you will hear something and are interested in it and then you look more into it yourself. So really, it's just this is my journey and I wanted to share it because I benefited so much from hearing other people's stories when I was going through this. I will talk more about 
how I listen to podcasts to help me through this journey because I was in this journey with my midwife and my husband, but no one else really knew at the time. So podcasts and doing my own research, that was really what was supporting me through this journey. So with that being said, that is why I decided to share all of this with you. It's worth it if I can help um, a few people out there that maybe are going through something similar or they are just curious about what goes into, you know, dealing with infertility and how that's diagnosed and um, how is how that's being treated. Maybe you're a medical student and you want to know the the narrative and the experience, the subjective experience about a woman that is going through this. And so, it, you know, if you're a budding OBGYN or really in any sort of specialty or any healthcare career, I think it helps to create some empathy around this topic. So that's really my intention with sharing all of this. I think I mentioned all this before, but I just wanted to reiterate. So without further ado, let's get into the first recording. And there's going to be, they're going to be back to back, but I'll mention when it's the second recording. But really, it's just from March 2022 and then April 2022. Hello again. Today, I am speaking on March 29th, 2022. So as you may have known, I stopped taking the birth control on February... February 8th was the last day that I took my birth control pill, and so me and my husband have started trying. My first fertile period was in early March, like the first week of March, and then I took a pregnancy test on March 10th, which was a few days after I was supposed to get my next period, assuming that after I stopped the pill, I would immediately restart a new period, and that I would ovulate in my first cycle. And I decided to take a pregnancy test because I did start to kind of get symptoms of cramping which I would never get when I was on the pill. I would always have the withdrawal bleeding every month like I was expected to, but I would never have PMS symptoms at all. So when I was experiencing some of this pelvic pain and then my period didn't come when I kind of expected it to, I figured I would just take a pregnancy test so that maybe I ovulated and then conceived in the first month it's possible so i took it on march 10th and it was negative but i wasn't really surprised because me and my husband we weren't really trying this month it was more the first month that we knew it wouldn't be the end of the world if i did get pregnant this month and just with how the math would work with when the due date would be it didn't bother me that much that i would have to change so much of my schedule around to make that work it was the first month that it's like okay this would be okay but it wasn't the ideal month so it's not like we were outright trying it was interesting that I did have some of these pelvic symptoms which I think a lot could be psychogenic where I was 
hyper alert to anything that I was feeling because I was looking for it. So I think that was probably part of it, but I did feel better knowing that I, in fact, wasn't pregnant. But when I didn't know that, I definitely fell off track as far as following the perfect prenatal diet and just acting as if I was supporting a baby now that I know that I'm not, then, you know, I could, I didn't have to be as hyper-focused on making sure that I'm meeting all my dietary goals and getting enough sleep and all the things that I should be doing anyway. So that was interesting, but now I think I'm a little bit better on track. So I did eventually get my period, but it was a few weeks late. I got it on March 19th. So this was a good two weeks late. So it was about six weeks after after my withdrawal bleeding, after stopping the pill, which for me, I was actually really happy to get my period because after I got the negative pregnancy test, part of me was thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to get my period at all. If I didn't get it yet and I'm not pregnant, that means that I'm not going to get my period at all. And to not have my period means that I'm also not ovulating, which like obviously means that I can't get pregnant. So March 19th rolls around and I was so happy. I like screamed from the bathroom that my period started because I was waiting for it and I was wanting it, which many women will be like, okay, no, like I have never hoped for my period or uh, leapt for joy when my period starts, but that's definitely how I was. And my period was a lot healthier than my withdrawal bleeding from the pill. So I'm hoping that my healthy diet is a part of that. And hopefully my cycles aren't that irregular that it's every six weeks. I'm hoping that it took my body a few more weeks to get back into sync and hopefully I'll be back on the four week trajectory. But then again, today, according to, I use like the, the Apple health app, which actually works pretty well for what I need it to do. I basically just log when I have my period and when I have sex and if I take a pregnancy test, I can also do the basal body temperature, cervical mucus quality, which I haven't really got into yet, but I can also track symptoms, how heavy my period is, if I have spotting, and then it will predict when my next period will be and it also has a predicted fertile window, which for me starts today. But me and my husband have been having sex every day since my period stopped this last cycle uh, because this month is really the month that is what we would consider to be ideal conception date because then our due date is exactly what we would hope for that works out best for us. With as much planning as you can do for having a baby, like, we at least say, like, okay, this would be a good day. It's not gonna, no date is going to be perfect, but there are dates that are a little bit better than others. So, this month is one that we actually are going to try. 
So last month it was just that I stopped taking the birth control and we just didn't use protection, but everything was very authentic with when we wanted to have sex. So this will be interesting. So I'll expect my period to come around April 16th. So after that, if I haven't had my period, I might still wait like a week or so after that and then try the pregnancy test. But yeah, it's exciting. I'm not too hard on myself about not getting pregnant the first month because most women take at least three months to even have their period again, um, let alone to be ovulating and to predict it. But I'm just happy that my period did come back as soon as it did. And I'm just hoping that my cycles are as regular as they may seem. As far as my diet goes, I still have been eating two eggs each morning. And when I don't have eggs, like if I ran out of the carton and I need to buy more, um, which is usually most realistic, I will also have oatmeal occasionally with some chia seeds and almond butter and some fruit as well to kind of mix it up a little bit. But I love to put spinach in my eggs with some cheese and and with salt and pepper. So that's really what I've been eating. And then my husband makes really healthy dinners for us with usually a salad or a vegetable like Brussels sprouts we had yesterday. And then a protein. We've been having a lot of beans, a lot of tofu, things like that. Then usually something starchier like potato or rice but we've kind of been moving away from that to opt more for double the protein or double the vegetables which I think is a really good uh, change to things because I do usually have a little bit more of a carb heavy lunch because I find myself snacking throughout the day snacking when, when I can when I'm in the clinic and usually I just grab something quick like a granola bar or a protein bar or something like that. So those are usually a little bit carb heavier. And I have a family history of of gestational diabetes in my mom when she had me and then also when she had my youngest sister. And then my sister that my mom didn't have gestational diabetes with actually had gestational diabetes with my nephew who was just born a few months ago. So that's been something I'm kind of keeping track of that I'm just being aware of how much carbs I'm eating just because I don't want to build up insulin resistance prior to becoming pregnant because that's going to set me up for failure. And part of that also is I'm making sure that I'm exercising every day, usually around an hour of activity, whether that's walking, running, or doing some weight training in my house. And of course, throughout all of this, I'm making sure I get enough sleep, which I think for my upcoming rotation, which is OBGYN, it might be a little bit more of a challenge because I have night calls sometimes and then I have day calls and then I have regular clinic hours mixed with OR days so it's going to be a little bit crazy but hopefully I can still get the same number of hours of sleep even if it's going to look a little bit different than usual. I'm 
I'm often asked about what question banks to use to study for medical school board exams, and I always recommend TrueLearn. TrueLearn helped me score competitively on Comlex Level 1 and Level 2, shelf exams, and the USMLE Step 1 and Step 2. And I'm currently using their question bank to study for Level 3. I love TrueLearn's practice questions because they include detailed answer explanations and comprehensive analysis of how you're doing compared to your past progress and compared to your peers. I am so happy that FirstLine has partnered with TrueLearn. For a discount on your subscription, use the link in the episode description and use code FIRSTLINE at checkout. F-I-R-S-T-L-I-N-E. One word, no spaces, no capitalization. Today is April 27th, 2022. I am currently done my clinical rotations for third year of medical school, and I'm technically in the capstone course right now, Um, but really it is dedicated board studying season for COMLEX and USMLE that I am taking in May and then in June for COMLEX. And For an update on my fertility journey and my pregnancy journey, um, I just wanted to give a little bit of an update. So as you know, now it has been about two months since since I last took the birth control pill. So I'm very, very early on in shifting to my real hormones taking over. I wanted to establish preconception care so I had an appointment with a midwife in the area and the reason why I chose the midwives was because my actual gynecologist that I have been seeing for quite a few years since I moved down here from med school he does not do obstetric care at all he primarily does gynecology And of course, if I had a question, like I asked him a few questions about, okay, so how long before I want to get pregnant, should I get off the pill? And he would answer questions like that for me, basically saying that whenever you're ready, you can just go off the pill and being on the pill doesn't affect your long-term fertility and things like that. But otherwise, all of the other OBGYNs in my town... I think I've worked with all of them to an extent, and it was important for me to see someone that I haven't worked with professionally in medical school, and I also liked the midwives because they seem to have a little bit more of a holistic approach to care because they have longer appointment sessions, and for me also being very healthy and not really having any large medical issues and having a very low risk of having pregnancy complications, I felt that I didn't need the highest level of care being an OBGYN. I really just needed someone to kind of take me along this journey and to be there for support and to answer questions. And someone like a midwife who their whole job is taking care of pregnant patients and not as much of a focus on taking care of 
of doing surgeries and other things like that. OBGYNs have a ton on their plate and they're the best in their field, but I just felt like a midwife would uh, meet my needs um, appropriately and also maybe even meet my needs better. But I'm very much open-minded to switching if I need to in the future or if I think that I'm receiving sub level of care, but I, at this point, I don't think that that's going to be an issue. So I did go to see my midwife and she was very nice and I did not tell her that I was a medical student and I liked that better because she was very clear with me and she never assumed that I knew everything. So I got the same treatment that anyone else would come in with, with any other educational level. So I did ask her some questions and I listened to her answers and it seemed like she had a sound sound medical background. There wasn't anything out of the ordinary about it, but I do always, especially as someone that has a medical background, I do fact check and I make sure that what she is saying uh, meets what I've learned during my, my OBGYN rotation, which was literally just last month. But everything seemed very consistent, and I definitely trust her with my care. Uh, I do want to share a little bit more personal details about my visit, just because I have been very open during this series of recordings, and I think that if the more people that can relate to me, the better, and... I just want to open up about some of the struggles and be very, very open because I think a lot of people struggle with things like this and it needs to be talked about. So I brought up to her that because the the standard questions you get is how regular are your periods? When did you start having periods? What kind of contraception have you been using? So I told her that I started my period at kind of an unknown age because when I was at at the age of 17 and still never had a period, I went on birth control right away and had withdrawal bleeds, but those aren't actually real periods. And when I did eventually stop taking my pill for a few years in college, my periods kind of came right back or more so came for the first time naturally around the age of 19 or 20 and she was really surprised by this she ended up saying that she wanted to repeat all of the testing that was done with me when I was a teenager to see why I wasn't having my period until so late so she ordered things like estradiol levels and and anti-malarian hormone and FSH and prolactin and things like and also thyroid levels to make sure that everything was okay even though I did tell her that I have had all the testing done because it was back when I was a teenager I couldn't really remember all of the exact tests that were done and I don't have the records for it but then she said that we might have to also do ultrasound to make sure everything's fine, even though I told her that when I was a teenager, they did do ultrasounds and they couldn't find any anatomical abnormalities. But I did feel good that she was really covering all of the bases and making sure that nothing was missed from when I was a teenager. So I actually really appreciated that. 
View the show notes for additional information about this episode and access the link to First Line's website. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to First Line on your favorite podcast app to hear a new episode every Monday. Thanks for listening.